Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family. From the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Welcome back everybody to another episode of the Your Living Proof Podcast. Hey guys, Merry Christmas. That's right. Christmas is coming up. Soon you're going to have to start remembering to write 2024. I hate that every January. I always write the wrong date. I think it was like a month ago I finally got used to writing 2023. <laughs> Remember when we used to have to hand write the date? Now I think nowadays you don't even have to. It's just auto-generated and yeah, all digital. Yeah, that's true. Hey, in the intro it said from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. I love Facts. that. Yeah. And, and this platform is to try to help anyone out there who loves someone struggling that's stuck in that deadly trap of addiction. But man, from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between pretty much encompasses everything. Humanity, life, life. yes. Don't worry, before we hit record on this show today, my wife and I were arguing. She's sitting there fiddling with the camera and trying to figure out the right lighting and stuff. And I'm like, you look gorgeous. Like, just hit play. Quit worrying about what you look like. It's a thing, guys. She's like, stop telling me what to do or whatever. Yeah, just because you always have perfect hair. Doesn't mean everybody does. If Danny weren't doing what he's doing currently, by the way, he anchor would man. be an anchor man. Anchor man. He would be because if he doesn't know anything about weather, although he is obsessive about checking the weather, but um, <laughs> he would be a really good weather man. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, we're, we're so glad that you joined us. And for those people that support us, we love you. We hope this platform really helps empower what we believe is the greatest threat in the world to addiction. And it's you. Yes. A family who effectively learns to intervene and what the whole roadmap forward looks like. That's right. It's a hectic time of year for everybody. It's also a beautiful time of year. Me, for one, I am I'm excited already for Christmas to be here so that I don't have to wake up every night in a panic. <gasps> did I did I did I hide the elf? Oh my gosh. My daughter still loves it, right? Whether or not she believes in it or not, she like embraces it. Yeah, she, she does. She loves it. She counts it. on it. And so every night I have to like panic because the, <laughs> the second day of doing the elf on the shelf, right? I went to bed, didn't move it. She woke second up. Second day, guys. She woke up. He and, didn't move it on the <laughs> second day. I wasn't in a rhythm yet. I wasn't in a rhythm. I hadn't created a habit yet. And so she woke up and she's like, Daddy, Daddy, where do you think the elf is? And all of a sudden I was like, in the same spot. Fear. <laughs> I pulled some crazy thing. Come over here. Look at this. I got to You got to help me move this thing over here. And then she sat down and I tore off out of the room and changed it before she could find out. But. It doesn't help either that like she talks about the elf with her friends at school. <laughs> so she's like, oh, my friend's elf is doing this and oh. that. And it's like elaborate. Like I'm like, wow, their their parents like they're they're professionals. They're professional parents because I'm- who has time to like scheme up all of the things right now. Like seriously, who else? Yeah, like making it look like it knocked over or they were inside the sugar and spreading the sugar out and making footprints in it. It's it's a whole other vibe. Keeping up with the Joneses is trickled all the way from like your house and your car down to like... What is your elf doing this Christmas? Does it have a girlfriend? How lit is your elf? (laughs) See that? Just throwing in... (laughs) In some... We're laughing because our boys, there's new jargon, right? Like when we were younger, there was like. Game. Yeah. You know, everybody had, there was this lingo and now it's changed. You just said lingo. So it's that's like. like what is you. it? Like dab and that slap. It slaps. This fi- I don't know. It's lit. 
It's lit. So, give me the tea. Kid, if you have kids or grandkids and you've heard some of those phrases, help us out. We're trying to keep up. <laughs> Today is episode 71. We are grateful to be back with another incredibly important topic. I love this one because if if you love someone that's stuck in the trap of addiction and you're just wondering, what's step one? Like what? There is such a mess in front of you. It, there's so much to untangle. And I know most people are operating from a place of fear, desperation, anger, guilt, all these things. But if you're like, what is the very first thing for me? Like, what is the most important first step? Today's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, this is a really good topic. The very first step and the most critical step for you and your family to more effectively help your loved one, whether it's your spouse, your child, your parent, whatever it is, is coming to believe that they cannot and will not do this for themselves. That is so hard. It is a massive debated topic surrounding addictions and mental health. It is. And it's a it's a massive mountain in front of anyone who loves someone struggling with addiction. Well, cuz you remember like that person you love who you remember before all this, maybe it was them as a child or it was the person that you married. And now looking at their situation, that's where so many people get neutralized right there. Yes, for years. Is they're waiting for that person to somehow wake up and go, wow, my life sucks. I'm hurting people all around me and I'm going to change. So I even if you don't, and please just spend the next... 15 to 20 minutes with us and hear us out on some of these points. But if you love someone struggling in addiction, whether you agree with this, whether you hate that fact, once you learn that they cannot and will not do this on their own, it will change everything. Yeah, I I agree. But getting to that point or helping someone else get to that point is a, a massive mountain, like I said. Because of so many things, right? Like, I, I think one of, the, one of the huge ones is just the fact that, like, you know them so well. And maybe even you have witnessed things that they've accomplished in their life prior to this, right? Maybe they have a master's degree. Maybe they have had a ton of success in other areas. So you see them as that capable person. So it doesn't make sense that they are in the position that they're in, right? Like it it actually you can't you can't accept that that they can't logic their way out of this, that they can't will their way out of this. Like it does not add up. You know what? I'm glad you're taking this perspective cuz what you are doing is I think relating to and justifying the family's perspective. So take that route because I'm going to take the route of like what's going on with them having been someone that was stuck in that place. So, well, I think too, it's just like, I don't know. And this isn't for everyone, but I would say for, you know, a majority of families that have these resources and are, are a family, they're acting as a family unit, right? So they, so they have a certain expectation for people in their, in their family. And this is not it, right? Like they they 
just can't wrap their mind around the fact that, like, this person that was raised the same way as all the other people is behaving this way. It doesn't make sense. Like, they should be able to access all of the the knowledge and the tools that they that you've equipped them with to do better than this. Like, um, it's also it also doesn't make a ton of sense to somebody like me who hasn't ever struggled with addiction. Um, when you see somebody, you're, you like you see somebody's life kind of piling up as as like a dumpster fire, right? Like. And it's un- it's undeniable. Like you can tell that they they are also like noticing. Like they're not in denial about it either. And it's really really frustrating to think about that person and go, "Well, get out. Like change it. Like but can't you see what's going on? Hello. Like you can do something about this. Like you just kind of sit there going, "Hello. Wake up. Like do it. Do it. Like change. Do something about your problem. Like." You you can. You've done things before. You know, it's just it's, it's a really difficult place to be in, to to feel powerless watching somebody struggle like that and, and to also feel like mad at them for like not waking up and doing something. About well, you it. know what? It's the difference between like a physical injury and a spiritual or emotional one is if their legs are broken, you're not going to yell at them to get up. No. OK. Even if. <laughs> And if they did need to get up to get moving to rehabilitate themselves, you would do it. You would approach it differently, right? Yeah. Because I beg to differ. Like listening to you, I'm also like, oh, here's another perspective I actually haven't heard or thought of. Well, I have, but let me articulate it. And that's there are moments when they're sober. There's moments when they're actually not high, intoxicated, distracted with the things that they're consuming, where you might actually get through to them. Like what you say might get through, or when they they can actually see. Oh my gosh, like the consequences of my actions are piling up around me. Yeah, well, and I've had those conversations with people that I love too, where it's like they can even admit, like, I'm in a place that I hate. Like, I wish things weren't this way. And in my mind, I'm like, then do something about it. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, you're the only one that can. And I think it's especially hard too, um, when this when it's like an adult, right? Like it's one thing if they're if it's like an adolescent or something, but when you're talking to another adult or if it's your child that's an adult child, it's almost like you feel like you're stepping over boundaries a bit when you're like almost interfering with like their medical decisions, right? Like when you're like, okay, you need you need help here and like I want to call this doctor for you. But then you stop yourself and go, well, I, I shouldn't do that. They're an adult. Like hmm. this is their business. Like they they should – if they need help, they should reach out and get it. Like – that I'm, I'm, this is a privacy issue. You know, he, I'm just saying, like, that is for sure something that you would think when you're dealing with another adult. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm, I'm glad that you articulated, like, how families can look at a person for so many different reasons and just not understand why, yes, they're an adult. You know what they were capable of for. You've seen what they've accomplished in life. So why in the world can't they do that? Well, it's like even it? even if it was like an eating disorder or something with an adult child, like what? Hello? Like that's their choice. Yes. Okay. So let's get back. I just want to reiterate the fact. And again, you may not agree with it. It may be frustrating. They cannot and they will not do this on their own. Their addiction is progressive over time. You know, it started in a, it started somewhere, and over time, it got worse. And there's so many reasons. We're not going to get into that now, but it gets worse. 
one of the main ones is because in order to get that feeling that they like, they have to do more and more and more. Their addiction is progressive, but also your, you know, codependency is an interesting one. It actually is like relationship addiction and you depend on that person for the good and the bad. But you've watched this happen and your misunderstanding of what to do has progressed while their addictions progressed. Yeah. So. so it, that is so true. It, it, it is true. And then it, there's no there's no way out of this for anyone. If it has not gotten to the point, like let's say it's your child, your spouse, someone you love, a sibling who's, if their addiction is not progressed to that point, it will. And a reminder that what you know is just the tip of the iceberg. What you know is just where they got sloppy and messed up, where they dropped some crumbs or what they allowed you to know just to keep you off their back. Yeah, that's a big one. It's always worse than what you know. But if it's not to that point now where it's, you know, for some people it gets to an undeniable point where it's life or death. And then maybe they can look at things and be like, you know what? I'm going to set my feelings aside and we're going to do something to help. Yeah. Before that point, everyone gets hung up here. Well, they've got to do something. I mean, they're the ones that put themselves in this situation. Speaking as a former drug, alcohol, porn addict, I couldn't get out of my own. And I'm going to share three examples. I wrote these down this week that people shared with me. This week? Just this week? Yeah, well. In the last three days, oh my there was a mom that said, Danny, it's so bad. She had given me the whole story about where her son's at. You know what? I hate to say this, but I don't even want to claim him as my child anymore. A dad, different situation. After we spoke for a while, he puts down his armor and gets real, says, I know it's horrible for me to say, but I wish they would have just died at their most recent overdose. Why? Well, as terrible as that is for me to say, it would have been easier if that happened, not only for them, because they would be out of this hell that they're stuck in, but it, it would have been easier than my family wondering what's coming next because their situation is destroying our family. That's, that's, that's deep. Yeah. And then just recently a wife said, you know, I cannot imagine a life without them, but now I can't imagine a life with them. Oh. So we, in the last couple of years, we have a ton of medical and scientific proof, brain studies. I mean, there are endless amounts that actually show the literal rewiring, the damage that happens to a person's brain, explaining the disease concept of addiction. Now, also for everyone out there who hasn't dealt with this already on their own, I know at the beginning, your loved one made some poor choices, whether it was trauma that started this or they found trauma along the way. Maybe they started this just out of curiosity. Maybe it was some peer pressure from friends. Whatever started this, it started with bad choices. I can attest to that. I made some poor choices, but guess what? I found something incredible, something I, I, I needed and wanted so much that I kept doing it, and then what happens is over time you develop not only a dependency, but you develop a brain disease because it rewires your ability to think and choose. So let's just take the science out of it. What they found gives them what nothing else can. They found the solution. And maybe to you it's terrible and horrible and it smells and it's stinky and it has a bad stigma around it. But for them, it gives them a feeling they never had. And if they don't have it, 
It doesn't take long. We're talking a matter of days, weeks, months for at most. Whatever it is that they have, if they don't, it feels like death is coming over them. Mm. I mean, not even in the levels of physical, right? Physical withdrawals we all hear about. Man, I experienced some of the worst ones. That's what actually kept me going for years was just the fear of those physical withdrawals. But it's when they start to feel the anxiety, when they start to feel the shame, all of that kicks in, that emotional stuff. My goodness. They won't give up that thing. They won't give up that precious. So that combined with the fact that their brain's been rewired, you need to come to the realization they cannot and will not do this for themselves. There's never going to be a day when they wake up and say, hey, guys, what, guys, I need to go get help. I've looked at some places, some options. I've found an insurance policy that works. It'll cover the cost of my rehabilitation. And then I know what to do. After treatment, I have my six-month plan in place. Bull. They're going to give you empty promise after empty promise after empty promise that the next job is going to change it, the next doctor is going to change it, that change of season is going to change it. You come to terms with the fact that they cannot. They're sick. And you figure out how you and your family can corral them into no other choice than to getting help. That's where my passion comes. That's what this program does. That's what I spend all my time helping families do. But the first step is what? coming to realize and accept the fact that they cannot do this on their own despite what you think. Yeah, and I think that is, uh, I mean, again, we're spending a whole podcast talking about this because that concept alone, that shift in your mind alone is life or death it's for this It's what gets this started. And I think it's really, really important to to recognize, and I and I have to do this a lot, and I've had to do it, you know, within even my own extended family um, is just remind like others that this, you're not them. Like I am a really disciplined person. Like when I set a goal, I can totally accomplish it. Like no matter how hard it is, I've, ne- I've never struggled with addiction, but there are for sure habits that I've developed that I wanted to change. And I've, I've been able to change them. Right. Some people struggle with too much shopping, too much eating junk, whatever. And then they get tired of the consequences of it and they make some changes. That is not this. That is just not this. Yeah, or you get a, you get a, a physical and the doctor says, hey, your, your blood sugar level's high. Right. And so they're like, oh, shoot. And so they make those hard changes to right. correct that. That, that. that is not this at all. And I think the more we can stress that as as simple as it sounds it's simple but it's not easy you have to accept that they will never change this on their own but again it will tap into and you'll find yourself reverting back to everything which is well you've done hard things you've changed things 100%. maybe even before this addiction they had hard things that they overcame so you're like they've done it before they know how yeah, to do you, it yeah you know that they have access to the tools but the problem is this this is a spiritual battle this is a spiritual battle and you have to remember that once someone is in the grips of addiction it literally means that they forfeited their agency and i don't care what you believe if you don't believe in a power greater than you, I'm sorry, then this podcast probably isn't for you. But I I say whatever belief system you do have, know this. Anyone 
who is struggling with addiction, in active addiction, no longer has access to their agency. So if you're waiting for them to grab onto that and wake up, they don't. They don't have it anymore. They can't. When you look it up, let me just give you the definition. Addiction is a chronic relapsing brain disease that causes compulsion to use drugs, porn, alcohol, or whatever it is. Now, I threw in porn there because that is the drug of our generation. In, in spite of negative consequences. In spite of negative consequences. That's huge. So it's called a brain disease since an addict's brain structure and chemistry changes due to the influence of the substances they consume. I'm so grateful that over the last couple of years we've, we have that, but we still struggle as a society, especially within affluent, religious, successful communities. Right. Right? People who come from goodly parents. People who come from educated homes. They actually struggle, hard, struggle harder than maybe people from broken homes because they've taught this person better. This person knows better. They come from better circumstances. Danny, I think that is such a huge, huge point that, that we have to stress, and that is just the truth, is I, I can't even tell you the amount of people that, that get stuck right there. Well, they've been on a mission, or well, they've accomplished this. So that means that they don't, they're not in this other category of people who can't overcome this. I'm sorry to tell you, you are wrong. They are in the exact same category. They're in the exact same category as the homeless person you see on the side of the road. That is them in fast forward. That, that will be them eventually if you do not intervene. Yeah, well, the only difference is they have a safe, comfortable place to be that's usually provided by family. And it's only them because they just have no idea what else to do. They're stuck. The person you love, once they get caught up in this cycle, listen, consequences do not cure. I experienced every consequence known to man. I had friends die. I got incarcerated. I lost my house. I was living in my car. I crashed my car. Everything got to the point where any person in their right mind and my family was for sure there looking, going, you literally stink. Mm -hmm. Like, not only do you look like the Grim Reaper, you smell like death. You are pathetic. Like, you're embarrassing yourself. And you would think that that would stop you but did it no all i cared about was what i needed to do to get high the next hour and the hour after that so they cannot do it on their own they will not be able to knock it off now i will say there's a tiny little disclaimer here if you catch this thing in the beginning stages meaning in the first couple of weeks when someone starts to like i guess tinker with substances, that's when you have a chance to maybe get them to knock it off <laughs> with some severe consequences. But it doesn't take long before these substances rewire their brain. Now, I know we mentioned the trauma before, and I know you want to talk about that so we can get into that. But just please understand that when you do under, when you do come to the realization that they cannot and will not do this on their own, no matter how much that goes against what you believe, then you can just start figuring out how to move forward. Yeah. And you can start realizing that you have a lot of power in this. Is even if they are a grown adult, maybe it's your spouse, and you're like, what am I supposed to do? There's so much you can do. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing speaks to the disease of addiction louder than a person who gets healthy. That person 
that you've been codependent with that you need in order to continue in your addiction. I just went off on a rant. But go ahead and talk about the trauma that you wanted to. Yeah, I do, I do want to talk about trauma just a little bit because it's so intertwined with addiction, right? Um, the massive truth about trauma or actually about addiction and what, regardless of what you think, what maybe you think addiction is a disease. Maybe you think it is just a moral breakdown. A, yeah. A moral breakdown, just a total lack of control, a choice. Maybe you just think it's a choice that somebody's making. The real truth about it is that the person that you love found in a desperate attempt to solve a problem, they found a solution. That's all this really at the root of it is. So somewhere along the way, they experienced trauma. And I think that word is tossed around a lot these days. Um, and I think we talk about trauma and we immediately go to like some massive catastrophe or a death or sexual abuse or some really extreme thing, right? Um, but the truth is trauma, the, the Greek translation for the word trauma is a wound. This person is walking around with a wound, okay? And that does not mean that they've experienced some massive trauma. And I think, Danny, you're the perfect example of that. Like, yeah. what drove your addiction was not this massive traumatic experience, right? Oh, I always say, listen, if, if trauma is not what started them down this journey, they found it along the way. Right. Mine and, wasn't uh, trauma. Mine was at something at the beginning. If you haven't heard my story is I just never knew how I was going to grow up to be as successful as my father or the other men around me when I was growing up, like in the area we were in. That, that was just like crazy. Like you have to get to this point of prestige or you're not, you didn't make it. I was like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of pressure. Well, and that is, I love that you said that because that that's exactly right. Like if you're having a hard time because you're like, well, they haven't, they've had this great upbringing and blah, 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 blah. Fine, whatever. But their trauma could just be an unresolved or unwanted feeling that they have like that. Like, I don't, I don't measure up. I don't, whatever. And the other thing is, is maybe you are going to blame yourself for that. Maybe that's what's holding you back. Maybe you feel like you're, you're guilty of something here. You're going to have to not do that. That's the hard ask here. Well, everyone at some, everyone in some way or another did something that they could have done better that they see as contributing factor to their loved one situation, for sure. Isn't that interesting? And then blame just is one of the blocks that just holds people stuck. Yeah. So um, anyway, I just, I just want to make sure that we're really clear that um, it doesn't really have to make sense to you what their trauma is. You just have to know that this addiction at the root of it is the fact that they have found some solution here to deal with an unwanted feeling that they've had and they've been carrying it around. And so really they, they found a great solution. Maybe you don't do that. Good for you, but they do, they do. And so until we're willing to dissect that, they don't have an opportunity to 
recover, which is why they'll never get started on this journey alone. We're not looking for sobriety here. We're looking for recovery. But in, but before recovery comes sobriety, and they won't even get a chance to choose sobriety because they don't get to choose anymore. They don't get to choose anything. Yeah. So your job is to come into terms with the fact they cannot and will not do this on their own. And then you're like, okay, now what do we do? If we can make a difference in this, if we can affect the outcome, what do we do? There is so much power when a family comes together and stops reacting to these situations. They learn about it. They learn how it's affected them. They learn how they've created bad habits through this addiction that's affected them with one another. They come together, this group, and then what they do is they ultimately learn in a healthy way how to give their loved one no other chance than to get help. If they don't choose help, what did you just do? You brought the family together and everyone got healthier. Yes. There's no way you lose in doing this. But what you do do is give them a legitimate chance because they can't do it on the, and I want to touch on the trauma thing real quick. Even the people, let's say that someone like I work, you know, let's say you work with someone and, and they were sexually molested by a relative and now it's manifesting in abusing prescription medication and alcohol. The family that is aware of what happened to this young woman looks at it and goes, well, of course, like, yeah, poor thing. She had trauma. The trauma is still neutralizing to anyone stepping in and say, okay, well, we still need to get help. They just, they're just blaming it on that terrible thing that happened. But when I say if, they, if trauma wasn't what started it, they found it along the way. I have worked with so many people that are just like me where it started with maybe they didn't feel like they fit in. Maybe they feel like they didn't get the playbook for life. That's one of the things I hear a lot. Maybe they didn't feel like they were seen. They just felt uncomfortable in their own skin. And then suddenly they found, like you said, the solution. Yeah. During their addiction, they find trauma. And what do I mean specifically about that? There's lying. You become a master manipulator. You lie to the people around you. You eventually steal from people. Whether you steal belongings and sell them or you steal money from them, you start associating with people that you never would have, putting yourself in places that at one point in your life you would have been scared of. You start doing and consuming, taking, smoking, sniffing, whatever it is, things that you would have never fathomed as a younger person, and now you do it with ease. And then it transitions to other things, and you put yourself in scarier situations. Now you're doing more harm to your family, lying to them, stealing more to get what you need. And then it always segues into the trauma of getting arrested, being hospitalized, experiencing an accident, being seen around someone who overdoses. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Yeah. They found trauma along the way. So uh, let's just step back, and I just want to share something. I shared this a while ago. Yeah, I was just going to say, I want you to sh I want him to share this. We talked about this this week, and I think this is so, so powerful for anyone who's like, whatever, I can't. I can't accept this. Like, they can change this, okay? This is – so if you take nothing else away, take this away. What he's about to go through is so extremely powerful, so we sat down and we were trying to figure out a way to tap into like when I was at the worst, when I was at, you know, if you go to our webs or our website, there's a, a free masterclass and we talk about the six stages of addiction. I was at the six, six out of six. Like it was the worst. Like my parents were waiting any call for any day for the call that I was gone. It, 
it's hard to tap back into that place because I was a literal monster. I was out of my mind. But when I think about some of those moments where I had those brief, brief moments of clarity and how stuck I was, I tried to tap back into that. And I was very prayerful about this. And I'm like, what? How could I, now knowing what I know, 16 plus years later, if I could somehow just insert myself back into that body when I was a monster and have one moment to communicate to my parents clearly, right? Like, so what I've learned today, back in that situation, what I wish I could have told my parents. Yeah. I love, I need, and depend on getting high so much that I cannot see one foot in front of me. I've tried to stop on my own many times and I can't. I will never be able to do this on my own. You're going to have to find a way to force my hand. Almost daily, I have moments that I desire nothing more than to change, but they are immediately revoked by a need I have to get high. The need to get high is identical to my need to breathe. Most of the day, my mind is in such a euphoria that I live in a constant state of delusion. When I'm not high, I'm so anxious, depressed, and physically sick, I'm basically worthless, and I'll do whatever it takes to feel better. I hate myself at this point, but it doesn't matter because I'm enslaved and cannot escape. I am going to die, and I need your help. I don't want your help. I'm afraid of your help. I'm angry at you and everyone and everything, but I don't want to die. I have been taken. I'm captive, and I cannot escape. Please help me. So. Your loved one, no matter how mad you are, how much they've abused you, how much they've taken advantage of you, put you in these terrible situations, that's how they feel inside. And guess what? They cannot say it. They can't. They can't. Even if they do feel that way, they can't. There's so much. Not only is it the rewiring of the brain, the disease that they have, but it's so much guilt, shame, darkness that will not allow them to say it. You're going to have to invoke upon them no other option than to change and that's a scary thing to do and that's why i've just devoted my life to this program is helping families strategically tactfully and spiritually do that yeah and i think you know for me the 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 thing that you said that hit me the hardest and it does every time is when you say that you've tried to stop and we've talked about this um before you and i i don't know if we've ever, if we've ever discussed it on the podcast but um what happens when a person is doing something that they know they shouldn't and that they know is hurting them and hurting other people that they love is when they try to stop and then they can't stop because of what we just laid out here. They literally have lost their agency and their ability to choose. Um, pushes them down it deeper. pushes them down deeper and deeper and deeper, which should motivate you to advocate for them in a way that no one else can. It's you. It's you. And so I'm going to I'm going to just go right right into the serenity prayer, which is God grant me the serenity to know that I cannot change other people. The courage to change the person that I can and the wisdom to know that that person is me. Please set aside your frustrations, even just your thoughts about this and how maddening it is. Get yourself some help and support. 
Start learning what you can do to change the influence. Focus on getting yourself healthy. When those around me that I loved and cared about needed, depended on, got healthy, it changed everything. Nothing speaks to the disease of addiction louder than a person close to them that starts to thrive and get healthy. We're so grateful you guys joined us. I hope you found that beneficial. We hope all of you have an incredible holiday season, magical Christmas, that you do better at hiding your elf if you have one than me. (laughs) Have a good week, guys. Thank you. We'll see you later.